Welcome to this week's episode of the Stop, Pause, Think, Now Act podcast, The Conversations That Matter, with me, Joanne Grobbler, and this week's guest, Maya Shahi. Maya is a career coach and strategist and the founder of Build Yourself. She helps women in design, tech, and innovation move from doing the work to setting the agenda. Her clients achieve results like moving into senior director's roles, launching new innovative programs, and achieving $25,000 raises. She aids women in moving past bias and making their industries and workplaces better for women's talent. Maya has trained national industry groups like the Women in Innovation and the American Institute of Architects and works with leadership and staff at global design and innovation companies such as Stantec, Gensler and Hock. She's a former Harvard Innovation Lab resident, ran a research effort on women in social impact design for the Harvard Business School and was named as one of the Impact Design Hub's Social Impact Design 40 Under 40. So she's a graduate of Brown University and the Harvard Graduate School of Design. Welcome, Maya. Thanks, Joanne, for having me. I'm so excited. This is good. We're gonna. I think this is gonna be a really great podcast, Maya. I'm so excited about it. Okay, before we get into your stop, pause, think now moments, I want to just ask you. I want you to tell the audience what is the Impact Design Hub's Social Impact Design Forty Under Forty. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, the Impact Design Hub is an um, organization that actually, unfortunately, they folded, but they are an organization that was um, pulling together information on how to do socially impactful design work. So um, one of the things that I did um, was before founding Build Yourself was I actually started a research collaborative that looked at how to build business models for design that were more socially impactful. And so, um, yeah, so when they did their, their, you know, 40 under 40 list, both for um, that research work and also for my, my, um, my women's empowerment career coaching, I ended up on the list. Wow. What a huge achievement. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was really, really, it felt really good. Um, and yeah, was really was really special because it, um, you know, something I really believe in. So yeah, it feels like it really um, announced that what how you thought was really impactful. You know, talking about helping eliminate bias, and then how you've gone on to particularly let women set the agenda in the workplace. It feels like it was like that rounding up moment of everything that you were working towards, and they've gone on to do since. Yeah, and I think um, you know I'm a I'm a creative, and I have like 12 new ideas a day. And so, for me, I think what has proven to be true as I think about my career is that one piece of your body of work folds into the next. And I, I know we're going to talk about the stop pause moment. And one moment where you step up and do something scary folds into the next. And so, yeah, for for me you know, I, the natural way forward for somebody doing research on design, socially impactful design models is to become a, a, you know, a business consultant, but it wasn't, it ultimately wasn't what I wanted to do. But then the way that I think about business models in a cohesive, um, integrative way, I 
just a lot of those frameworks that I developed naturally lended themselves to thinking about a career path. And so, um, you know, sometimes things evolve and change, even if you don't know what the whole picture is going to look like, they can evolve and change in this way that's really powerful, especially if you are taking, you know, little, little risks along the way to that push past your limiting beliefs. Oh, we're going to talk a little bit more about little risks. So we love little risks. Okay, let's talk about your stop moment, that stop moment in your life. Tell me about it. Yeah. So when I think about one of the moments where it felt like I, it was like a fork in the road and I went one way versus the other, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a negative moment, but it was a moment where I would have played small and instead I decided not to. So, okay. So I was working on this research. It had really started as a side project, honestly. And my, um, my research collaborators and I had kind of finagled my way into getting a research fellow. I love that word, finagled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So, um, I think sometimes we don't realize that the quote big break that a lot, that a lot of the time we see is just someone, you know, saying, what about this? Why don't I try this? You know, and you know, I have a, I have a friend who, um, does, um, who installs gardens, um, you know, uh, food gardens. And at one point she was like, wouldn't it be great if there was a food garden on the top of Fenway park? You know what? I'm just going to pitch it and see what happens. And, and, you know, now there's like an edible garden on the top of, you know, one of Boston's most iconic baseball diamonds. And so sometimes I think these crazy things, even if most of them don't pan out, sometimes it's great just to like do a couple crazy things every now and again, just to see what will happen. But so, <laughs> but so. I love that. Yeah. So this, this specific, we, we had pitched on a whim, this research fellowship to, to um, the Dean of, of this architecture school. He, he said, yes. So I was this research fellow. And I was probably the lowest person on the totem pole, but he invited me to a board meeting because he's like, oh, what she's doing is kind of interesting. Like that'll be, you know, I don't know what, what he thought, but it'll be a good thing to present on. And so I walked into the room and I was probably, you know, at the time I was probably 10, maybe 15, possibly even 20 years younger than a lot of the people in the room. And no matter what you think you're less than, in uh, in comparison with everybody else, of course, you're constantly thinking about that thing and feeling like it stands out like a sore thumb. And so I walk into the room and the room had the layout that Cheryl Sandberg talks about in her book, Lean In, that I just read, um, where there's this central table in the middle and then there's a ring of seats on the outside. And she has this whole chapter about how Tim Geisler's support staff, mostly um, younger younger women, were sitting on the outside ring, even though there was space at the table and they, you know, demurred to sit at the main table, even when she invited them. And so <laughs> I think you're going to find this funny, Joanne. I was walking, to, <laughs> I was walking to the room and it was kind of like a sports replay. Like it was like, I heard in slow-mo, it was like, sit at the table. <laughs> And, you know, I saw my, my, you know, the advisor who was on faculty, who was, you know, way more senior than me. And she was sitting on the outside of the table and I was like, and I just like rerouted at the last minute. It wasn't even like a conscious choice. It was, it was just like, it kind of like happened. And I sat on the inside ring and, you know, it was a really, not only was it, it was a powerful moment because I think these moments, the number one thing they do is they change the way you see yourself. 
but it also, you know, it was really, it was really powerful because, you know, I met people looked at me differently. I, you know, joined in the conversation when I did my little presentation, I had kind of been acting like a peer the entire time. And we had this great back and forth conversation, you know, with a couple of people around the table and one or two people, I ended up like we chatted afterwards. One person I, at the time I was starting a, um, I used to run my own uh, design consultancy. So he became a potential client. And then another person, um, you know, ended up being one of my big champions and a big champion for me actually bringing what now is build yourself uh, to the local industry association where that's where I had actually started. It started first at my school and it basically was like a, he helped clear the way for me to start teaching the course that eventually turned into my business. And it just was one of those, one of those moments where it was just like, I could just see this fork in the road that I could either make myself small or I could act big. Even if I didn't feel big, I didn't feel like enough of an expert. I didn't feel like, um, you know, I had enough credibility and it was just like, well, why don't I just run this experiment? See what happens if it turns out it's terrible. If someone tells me to go sit somewhere else, Hey, well, that's data. At least I'll know. Um, and, but it really ended up being one of these kind of tiny pivots that puts you on the path, I think, to do the work that is ultimately, you know, where you can really make a, make a contribution. So. I had goosebumps when you talked us through that moment, that screech, that U-turn that I just, you know, I can see you sort of gliding towards the outer ring, uh, the inner, the outer ring, and then taking a, no, I'm going to sit at that table. How did, do you, do you recall? Did did you clock anybody else's reaction when you actually did that? You know, I was really okay. So let me let me. I was really thinking about that that woman who had been my faculty advisor, and I think at the time she might have been pregnant. I don't remember, but I remember thinking, I do remember feeling like if I was going to be a nice girl, if she was sitting on the outside and she was my ally, she was you know a notch above me, then I should follow suit. And so I guess I remember feeling like, am I betraying you or betraying our kind or, and, you know, I don't think, I actually believe that a lot of the time people don't notice, right? right? Like some of the people sitting around the table, did they notice? Did they think anything to themselves? If they did, I'll never know, right? No one said anything to me. And I think by the end of the meeting, it was kind of, I had, I guess I'd been vindicated because my research was kind of interesting and it did, I didn't know this at the time, but, um, you know, if you are established and credible in your field, one of the things that can happen to you is you can do the same thing over and over and over and get stuck in an echo chamber and not get introduced yes. to new ideas. Yeah. So yeah, I had something to contribute. And by the end, it was really clear that sitting at the table had been worthwhile, not just for me, but for others. But I did have this feeling of, am I betraying, am I stepping out of place? And am I stepping, if I'm stepping out of place and others of my kind aren't, am I betraying them? So at this juncture, we're going to talk about be, being the nice girl. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because I know that you and I will come up against nice girl syndrome time and time and time again. And maybe in us, like you, I know that I've had that moment where I thought, you know, this ballsy move you're about to make, Joanne, is not going to be seen as nice. You're yeah. going to be seen as over assertive, 
you're going to be seen as blah, 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 blah. You know, storytelling in my own brain. Yeah. And how often do you see women that you work with, Maya, who have nice girl syndrome that's kept them stuck? Oh, I pretty much all the time. Um, yeah, almost all the time. And sometimes, by the way, it can show up in really different ways, right? The way that you yes. it is different. But I would say that gender socialization is a is one of the biggest one of the biggest um, challenges that women can face as they <clears throat> move forward in their careers, especially because, I think most of us want to feel like we are doing something that only we can uniquely do or that it comes from some confluence of who we are and how we've grown. And sometimes being able to say, okay, here's the official way that it's supposed to be done. But as long as I deliver the results, can I, you know, can I do it my way? Like that requires stepping out of line. That requires you know, not waiting for someone else to give you permission. I mean, okay, so let me give an example. Um, One of my clients had her eye on this leadership role for about maybe 10 years. And, um, you know, but she had young kids and she thought, well, I can't, I, you know, this person in this role travels all the time, so I can't do this role. Versus, okay, what does this person need to produce? And if I could, if I couldn't travel, if I could only travel, you know, once a month, but I absolutely had to get the results of this role done, right? I had to initiate these relationships Mm -hmm. or make sure that this is going smoothly or whatever. How would I do it? And then once you do that, number one, you know, we're not saying, Hey, this role fits just people who, you know, we have a pre-existing box for most of whom are men, right. Um, Who Mm -hmm. maybe had wives or, um, you know, kind of had a lot less less responsibility on the home front, right? Um, And, um, you know, you're also, when you do that, you find sometimes even better ways to achieve the outcomes because sometimes the way that we've evolved isn't really that efficient, right? It might be kind of, you know, I had a client, I had a client who at the start of the pandemic did a virtual site visit and she realized that, oh, you know, I don't need to fly out to California and spend three days measuring stuff myself we can get to this point without without doing that. So now it's a much more efficient process for her, for a client, and she doesn't have to be, you know, on the road for three days. Oh, I know we're still on your stop permit, but let's just talk yeah. about women and efficiency because this, oh, yeah. this is totally my jam and I know it's totally your jam. Um, women, efficiency, what's your perception of when we show up as really efficient women so let me rephrase that. When we show up as really efficient women, what's your perception of how we can often be seen by other mm. gender, by the other gender? Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, it brings up the nice girl syndrome because I don't think of efficiency as doing more in less time. I think of it as making certain that the majority of your t- limited time and energy goes to produ- to moving the needle on the, the things that actually matter. And that's both producing results, but also the things that matter the most in life. And so when, I mean, when, um, when women do that, right, when they have to, sometimes they have to set boundaries with other people, or uh, this is one of the things I see with some of my clients, maybe you've seen it too, Joanne. Um, sometimes it's about 
asking your your support staff to step up more, right? Hey, you can't yeah. turn in you can't turn and work with the same mistakes that you made last time because it means you're not learning. So what are you going to do to self-check your work so that I'm not giving you the same um, the same comments over and over? And, you know, by the way, this is going to help you grow as a professional, which is something that I am invested in. Right. And so I think sometimes we can get stuck because it's so much easier and so much, quote unquote, nicer to be like, well, I'll just fix it myself. But I think there's a third pathway where you set the boundaries that need to be set. But, and I think men don't have to say stuff like this, but there's a wraparound for women to say, here's why I'm doing this. It's because it's better for us. It's because it's better for you. It's because, right, we can, we can, I think there's ways that we, that women can, um, can, women will naturally face pushback when we set boundaries, but there's ways yeah. that we can communicate those boundaries that still align with the nurturer role that we are expected to play. Yeah, I think as women, and you know, please tell me your thoughts on this. When we're setting boundaries and we're guiding people in the direction that we feel the organization needs to go, the team needs to go, individuals, we literally need to map that out for them piece by piece by piece so that they um, get on board so much easier. And like say, I, from my experiences, I have said this, I have said, we're going to this place and had pushback. And then I've seen another person say, we are going to this place. Oh yeah, let's all get on board. But mm. then when I mapped it all out in a very, you know, empathetic, nurturing way oh yeah yeah we'll get on there on that straight away yeah yeah and it's you know the world that I want to live in is where people regardless of gender get to lead and manage in the ways that really suit them because I think that we're all composed of multiple you know ways of being and streams that don't always align with our gender but um you know until we get there I think what we need to do is kind of recognize that those social social realities are in place and then figure out how do we maximize our power within them? How do we navigate them? What, what, what's the, you know, what, what power do we have in order to still get the outcomes that we want? And then how do we also, when we move into positions of influence and, you know, I, I'm, you know, I think the wage gap is very important, but what I'm really pa passionate about is closing the influence gap. You know, when we get into positions of influence, then how do we use some of that power in order to change the game for others? Oh, how do we use that power to change the game for others? That's juicy. Yeah, that's that, and that's ultimately, I think, what you and I and many others out there are really forging that path. We're not just making change for ourselves. We're so about making the opportunity of change for others. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think, you know, it's we're on the planet with other people and that's both the <laughs> I think I was hearing yesterday somewhere that uh, like Jean-Paul Sartre was saying that hell is other people <laughs> but also <laughs> you know I'd like other people are the tension and other people are also the joy right and it's it's um always you know, it's always so. been that since time but yeah. it's just that there's people like you in this world helping us evolve in a different way than we've been told that we can only evolve prior Right, right, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah, so. Let's move on to your pause moment. Tell us about your pause. 
Yeah. So I think the the pause, I mean, within that, within that moment was really me, you know, kind of stop um, pausing. It, it, it happened kind of in slow-mo, right? It was me um, very slowly or slow-mo kind of realizing that there was this, this other pathway. And um, yeah, so I think that that it, it was kind of embedded into that moment. Mm. And I know you were, you were telling yourself something that you told yourself that has stuck around since then. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of thinking of it was, yeah. um, was, so I think what came out of that moment and has stayed with me since is this idea that each action is an experiment. So, yes. um, like even down to the point where, and this is one of the things I, I teach in my program is like, how do you create a repeated habit of, of testing whether this thing is true or is just in your head, right? You know, I won't have immediate feedback that people are frowning at me because I'm sitting there, but you know, what can I do this thing? And then say, Hey, what happens on the other side? What data do I have? So, um, for me, you know, for one of my clients, I, I think it's actually easier to kind of hear it in, in her in her story. She was a people pleaser. She was constantly, you know, she was feeling kind of mentally cluttered and maybe even like she wanted to um, switch jobs because it was too much for her. But I had her, I gave her, so I, I call these things power habits, right? They're little, little habits that we do to practice our power. And it doesn't matter what results from them. What matters is what, you know, do we learn from them? Like, what do we learn? You know, what, what data is produced? And so for her, she had to say, um, she had to say no to something every, I can't remember if it was two times a week or three times a week, but doing it made her realize, oh my gosh, I am project managing other people's projects. How did I do that? Wait, I'm not just getting tons of stuff, random stuff thrown at me. I'm volunteering for it. Wait, what? How am I doing that? Why is this happening? And she started to also realize that when she set the boundaries, sometimes nobody even noticed, right? Um, Yeah. And so her sense, for her, it was coming from the sense that in order to be valuable, she needed to do all this extra stuff, which is, you know, a little bit of an imposter syndrome thing. She realized all this extra stuff isn't adding, nobody cares. And it's just cluttering things. And so she was able to, to like, you know, slough it off. Um, for me, what, I mean, one of the ways that I use that thinking approach is um, I, so I, I'm super, super passionate about, I guess the inner critic that I most like to face is feeling like you're not an expert, which I think was the, like that moment was at the, it was like, you know, the, at the kernel of that moment where I sat at the table, like feeling like someone needs to give you permission to be an expert. And so my power habits, a lot of the time are things like, okay, I want you to, you know, you're going to record a video live. This is one of the ones I'm doing now. You're going to record a video live to Instagram and um, LinkedIn with only bullet points, right? And because if I only have bullet points, then I have to rely on my expertise and not on my preparation. Or, a really common one I've done is, you know, pitching, and actually this is something I give one of my clients, you know, pitching a podcast every two weeks. Like, well, I don't feel like I'm ready. Well, why don't you, why don't you do this for 10 weeks and then we'll assess, right? And so for this client, she ended up getting booked on a podcast. Um, I think within two weeks of pitching, she was booked on book, no, three, booked on one podcast and had two others, um, two others that you know, she were scheduled. And 
you know, she didn't feel ready, but she did it anyways. And, you know, it was great. It was really, really great. And she realized she didn't have to put off, you know, oh, well, I need to get the certification first. Oh, well, maybe I should start with this. Oh, maybe I should do that. And instead it's like, well, let me eat, like, let me go for the plan A, the big thing. And if someone kicks me off the mountain, then I'll know that maybe I should start with a foothill. But until then, I may be giving away my power because I was ready to be on top of the mountain. Yeah. I, you know, interestingly, you talked about this plan A. Mm-hmm. One of the things I talk about all the time is just go in and on plan A. Just go all in on plan A. Mm-hmm. And if we need to figure out a plan B, we will. But let's just take that off the table for now. Yeah. Yeah. Just I love that. Just, yeah. Just lean into plan A. Because one of the things that I talk about, Maya, in my life is when I decided to go alone uh, in my career and set up my own organization and do what I do is I went all in on plan A because there was no plan B for me. I burnt my bridges. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody who'd had, you know, these various experiences that I've talked about podcasts and they're on my blog and my keynote, I, w- there is probably a part of me that was like, the only way you're going to go in and all in on plan A is burn the goddamn bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, and I then it had that. to keep going. And, you know, like some days, you know, it would like, uh, you know, up 10 places, you know, right. I've got to, I've got to find a little foothill now because this is really sticky. And I think it's working with people to say, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Right. That in your head, but let's just go all in on plan A. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist and, you know, what you're saying. Oh, is I, something... I'm going to talk about <laughs> I want to know more about that. Uh, before, we yeah. move, before, we went, before we move on, I just want to, because we're in your think at the minute. The idea of testing something when it feels like I'm not enough has stayed with me. And that was some of the information that you gave us. When did Maya go from having that I'm not enough on, I'm guessing, a bit more of a regular basis to being something that I personally feel you've clearly tamed and, you know, you're aware of? What? Tell us about that. What happened? Yeah, Um it really is about, it's really about making this approach to doing it, even though you're scared, with support in a repeated way and treating it as as an experiment, making that a practice. Because, and you know, Joanne, I know this is, I know that you see this probably with your clients all the time. You, You don't kick your inner critic to the curb once, right? You know, you kick your critic to the curb to crest the next rise of yeah. meeting your potential. And then it comes, it circles back in another form and it, you know, it doesn't bug you anymore at that lower level you were at, right? You know, I don't have any issues now sitting at the table, but because I'm growing and I'm meeting, you know, my potential and what I want to create in the world and, you know, help people create, create in their careers, it, it, you know, as I up level what that means for me and for my organization, it for, it forces me into a new set of circumstances where I'm going to face that inner critic at a higher level, right? So um, I don't know, for, I'm currently working on writing a book and I write a lot, but oh man, this is bringing up all kinds of stuff because I've never done it before. Um, do I have a big enough audience? 
do I, you know, are my blog, am I brief enough, right? But it's like bringing up all this stuff, which is just an echo repeat of the stuff that I used to worry about. But I now know that's normal. Okay, great. Like, hey, inner critic, like, you know, can't say it's nice to see you again, but like, <laughs> fancy seeing you here. <laughs> yeah. And then like, all right, let's dance, right? Let's, let's do yeah, what we do. Let's rumble. Let's <laughs> yeah. rumble. Let's, let's get it on. Cause, cause we built that muscle, that habit stack as we call yeah. it in my business, build that habit stack. If we rumble with the inner critic, we have evidence that we broke through. And, you know, I could, I talked to that inner critic. Let's just sit, sit that inner critic on the sofa, give them a nice little blanket and say, hey, we're super glad you've showed up. You've probably showed up to try and keep us safe, but we're just going to keep you safe now. Pop you on that sofa, tuck you up, and we're just going to carry on on our way. Yeah. And one of the things I love about uh, you, Joanne, that I think you do so well is you bring you bring so much joy to it and the inner critic from everything I've learned and my own experience with it, with it wants to like tussle, wants to, you know, it's got, it's like the negativity bias incarnate and it just wants to fight. And I love, I just love that, you know, that like bringing the energy and the light, lightheartedness and the playfulness. And um, yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's a really, really like humor or, um, you know, just bringing that lightness, I think is a really, a really important piece of the puzzle. And I think you do that really, really well. Thank you. Yeah. I think probably, uh, I, I would say that I have, um, definitely mastered that. It was never something that was in me naturally. You know, it's something that I have realized really helps, you know, people sometimes break through being able to have that dialogue and with that, you know, cause we, we have, you know, we have the inner critic, we have all these characters, don't we, that sometimes show up when we're ta- up living and taking the next step. And for me, it's about having a little dialogue, you know, why are you here? What is this about? What are you trying to keep me safe from? And I think I always think about those, the mean girls that try and keep me in my place as they're probably just trying to keep me safe in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. yeah. So Maya, you're in your action. You've talked about testing something through action, often repeatable actions that scare you when you don't think you're enough over and over. How do you keep that going in your daily life about this repeated action? Do you have like a set routine of things that you do every day or is it is it much broader than that? So I think it's I would say the simplest. uh, Sometimes it's a little bit like a fractal, right? You know, there are ways that I work on it every day, you know, everything from my morning routine to, you know, all of that stuff. But the easiest way that I do it, the kind of simplest way that I do it is I usually have a theme that I'm working on um, at any given point. So um, last quarter, I was working a lot on imposter syndrome fueled over delivery, right? You know, giving people too much information, too many options, too much help, too much, um, you know, like doing too much, especially when too much distracts people. You know, one of my um, corporate coaching clients, right? You know, how do I keep this program simple and decline requests for bells and whistles that aren't going to be repeatable, right? You know, um, yeah. because that's going to be easier for us to run. It's going to be easier for for my um, for people to experience as a program, right? So that was a big one that I was working on last quarter. Um, and it's not that I necessarily do one per quarter, but I at this point find it easier to kind of think about like a season of growth. So for me Ooh, right I now, like that. yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just let's just pause in that moment. A season of growth. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Maya, that's good. That's good. Tell us more. Yeah. So um, for me right now, I'm, I'm working on this book and this book is I, like, I love it. And it's also because it's coming from, it's, it's not something. Okay. So let me back up. I was working on a book that I will probably eventually write, which is the, you know, the chapter book of my method, you know, my career direction and career, um, you know, finding the North star of your career methodology. Um, I paused on that and then I decided I was going to restart. And then I realized, you know, what I actually really want to do is write the book that I've probably been wanting to write for five years, which is, um, you know, actually not just sharing what I already know, but kind of plumbing to the depths and sharing, um, sharing kind of stuff that's more core and using the book as a way to discover that stuff versus just sharing what I, (laughs) what I've already figured out. And so my book is about, is about, um, uh, productivity skills for creatives, but it's really about, about, it's really about hacking mindsets. It's about hacking the mindsets that hold you back. And it's about, um, it's about, uh, girl Friday, who is the very organized, um, you know, anticipates everything for everything else woman that I think a lot of women are socialized to be. And then the flat, the, yeah, the flower child, which is, you know, the inner creative that loses track of time and how, um, how to find a like the synthesis that actually, um, you know, like, okay, I've been socialized to be really, really good at getting stuff done, but I don't just want to be that. So how do I find the synthesis? And so, so all of this is to say that one of the things I'm working on this season is um, sharing sharing my expertise without having it all figured out already. So one of the things I'm I'm doing is you know doing live streams where I've maybe a bullet point or a theme, but I don't have everything figured out, and it's forcing me to learn on my feet. It's forcing me to rely on the expertise I already have, and you know, it's forcing me to face that constant challenge I have, which is perfectionism, which will show up probably a million times to Sunday for the rest of my professional life, uh, you know, in a new way. And it becomes this thing where it's like, okay, not every live stream has to be perfect. But if I've done a set of these, um, as I'm, you know, what is it, what does it teach me for writing my book? And also what I suspect is that being more real, is actually pretty good for your marketing. So, you know, if I do a season of these, what's going to happen, right? Like, let me be curious, or it might turn out that it was a terrible idea for my marketing, in which case that I'll, I'll say, okay, not going to repeat this again. <laughs> and we've just got to be in it, haven't we? We've got to be, my favorite thing to say is, you know, you've got to be in the arena. Exactly. Any exactly. Anybody that's in the arena, you know, it does not matter what happens as long as we keep stepping in the arena. Exactly. exactly. End of. Yeah. And, and I desperately want to meet, I desperately want to know about your girl child, your your girl Friday and your girl child. <laughs> Does that reson- resonate with you, Joanne? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I'm like, I want to read the book. When's the book coming out? Yeah, it totally does. Because I think one of the things that I was thinking about as we were talking is you've got to be really careful what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Really careful what you're good at. Because you meant, you, reson- you um, alluded to something earlier about we can get stuck when you are known to be good at something you can get passed over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you were talking about that girl Friday meets flower child, I also think, you know, really help those people who've got good at something, but, but are now trapped in this little cul-de-sac and how do they get out? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so can, I want to, can we share for a minute about that woman who was doing other people's project management plans? So she, no. uh, so she, I mean, I think she's it's such an interesting story because she joined my program because she was thinking, you know, what, like, what do I want? But she was also feeling really burned out, right? It's, it's both this, I don't know what I want. I don't know what growth looks like. I don't know what, you know, my next level of accomplishment looks like, but also I'm really burned out. So should I be even be asking this question? You know, can I even think about more? Cause it just feels like I can't handle anymore. And so in our, in our work together, we actually hit a wall where she really struggled to articulate what she wanted. And then I kid you not, I mean, it, even this kind of gives me chills. I gave her that power habit to say no to things. And she came back and had a whisper, the first whisper of what she <laughs> wanted her ultimate career direction to be. And I think it's because she created space. She started to use her power to create some space. Yeah. And then in that space, you know, number one, her limiting belief that there was no way she could have more because she was already so cr crunched was challenged. And so her own wisdom and insight about what she wanted that had been held back had an opening to flow in, right? And so mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time what we say no to is connected to what we say yes to. So, you know, I like the thing that I, I work on with clients is really identifying that career direction. And, you know, you could have a need for career direction when you're a manager who maybe is going to move into a director, but you could also have a need for that North Star for your career. If you've been directing something for 10 years and you're starting to feel like you're at a plateau and then you're kind of afraid to admit it to yourself because, yeah. because then it, you know, do I need to quit everything and join, you know, start a sheep farm? No, but, <laughs> but. <laughs> and I think that's it, isn't it. I think sometimes some people get stuck because they think the change has to be massively extreme. So they get literally stuck and then do nothing. Or, I mean, yeah, so they get stuck and do nothing and then they're feeling this misalignment or yes. they are stuck and do nothing. And then one day they blow it all up or they, you know, they're at a party. I, I see this happen. It's like, you're looking for one answer. So you're at a party and you hear this and then you think, oh my God, that's what I need. Instead of kind of doing the inner work to say, how do I tap into the power that I have right here, right now? It may be that I need to leave. It may be that this is a toxic environment. It may be that, you know, there isn't a next growth stage here that is, that is, that really feels meaty. But, you know, if I can actually face the fears, face the discomfort, I can look with more clarity on nuance and really figure out what is the next chapter and wait, maybe it's actually in the same book. It's not, you know, blowing it all up and starting from scratch. <sighs> yeah, I love that. We have a whole workshop called Creating Space for Greatness. Mm. And we talk about clearing out that bandwidth so you can go inwards and figure this stuff out. Because from experience, you know, sometimes the impulse can be exactly what you talked about. You hear that thing, you think, that's that's my next thing. And actually, it's just you're looking outwards and you're, you're looking for maybe not somebody to fix that thing that you feel is broken, but there can be so much temptation to look outwards. And you and I know those big breakthrough moments, little breakthrough moments come from going inwards, mm -hmm. doing the hard work. Mm -hmm. And really, I, I reposted a quote today 
around personal development and saying, hey, you know what? It was something along the lines of, you know, we, we'd all be doing personal development if it was sunshine and rainbows. The truth is, personal development is hard, uncomfortable, sticky, messy, and we should all do it, embrace that a lot more. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think um, the it's not going to be less hard, but the way to do it is don't do it alone. So, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, my power habits, I'm not just, okay, I'm doing these live streams or, okay, I'm, you know, saying no to over-delivering once a week. I actually have, so I have a business wing woman. She's my, you know, my business accountability partner. And every week we meet, we update each other on, on, you know, our accountability goals. And then we, you know, we brainstorm. But what I do is I put, I put this weekly power habit on my my things that I need to update Kristen on. And then I say, here's what I did. It felt super scary. I'm kind of worried about this. I did it anyways. And I just, it's like, just one of my clients or one of my, actually, she's a friend. Um, she once said to me, I want to, what did she say? It was something like, I want to, um, I want to make it feel safer to take risks. And so you're still taking the risk. It still has the level of, of, um, you know, discomfort, but it feels safer because it's like you have someone who's there with you, cheering you on, who's going to be there no matter how it turns out. And I think that's the, that's the core ingredient for me is how do you build, how do you build, this is actually a piece of, of my book is, you know, building, building that, I don't know. I'm calling it right now social accountability, but social accountability sounds so uh, like so <laughs> like yeah. I don't know sterile. But like, how do you build that love or that wing womaning or wing person yeah. around it? <laughs> I think I we because we love that we love the concept of wing wing woman, and I think it is that it's having that person that you can go. You know, you and I know sometimes we have to pitch in big boardrooms. We have to go into rooms where we are the only female and mm-hmm. we're taking a seat at the table. And that can feel scary, as terrifying as all the really horrible words. And we have to go in there and nail it and be on it and project the true version of us. But having somebody to go that 10 minutes before you were due to walk in to ring and say, Oh my goodness, I'm terrified. And that person just being able to talk you off the talk you off the hill that you're about to throw yourself on. That's the I did it today. Maya, I did this exact same thing today. I had something going on and I messaged my wing woman and said, Tell me about this. Tell me something. Just just distract me just in the minute because this isn't gonna work out well. And the message come back was relax you've got this just get on with it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love it we do have it you and I know even though we have these terrifying moments when we're about to do these big things I know there's a core of us that knows you know we have got this but it's our old storytelling that shows up and just puts us in the fear for that moment so yeah wing women are just vital I think for women like us that are stepping up and stepping out so Joanne, I'm just going to share this just because I, I think it'll make you laugh, but I think it'll, it'll resonate. So one of the things that we do, is, which is very similar, is um, 
I have this thing called a doubtogram. And so <laughs> I get to see that, you know, I, sometimes I'll even just record like a, like you said, a voice note and be like, okay, today's doubtogram. Um, I'm sending it off. So it's, 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 it's out there, you know, yeah. instead of in my head, like doubtogram sent, no need to respond. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, and it's just things like that. I know one of the things that we really um, invite the community of women that I work with is morning journaling. The whole mm. concept of just the minute you wake up, dumping anything that's going on in your head. And it's it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like, just get all that junk out of your brain, get it onto a page, close the page, off on your day. And mm. I can see the difference when women come into the community and put all their doubts, fears, worries, and I go, don't go back and read it. You've done it now. Done. Mm. And yeah. you literally see having that release mechanism. Yeah, I did today. I, you know, I've been around this material for years. And we have to acknowledge that as women, for some reason, every now and again, it just comes and nibbles on our backside and says, yeah, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. And I just want to play with you, but and mess with you. And I just love the fact that as long as we know that we've got a tool to help us, nothing can get in our way. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, and I totally agree. Okay, Maya, share with the audience what they're able to download from you once they've listened to this incredible podcast today. What can they get from you? Yeah, so if you go to um, buildyourselfworkshop.com backslash Joanne, I have a free training that walks through my process of career direction design. And so if you're at a point where you're thinking about you know, something feels misaligned, right? Something feels like this isn't working. I'm not getting to use my gifts. Um, I feel like I'm not um, being seen in my role. Um, you know, I have this sense that something's next, but I don't just want to, you know, find quote the answer and quit everything to pursue it. If it, if it's actually maybe, you know, maybe I don't have to blow everything up or maybe I do, yeah. but I'd actually like to be more nuanced about this. It walks you through my three simple secrets to career growth on your own terms. So, you know, one is, of course, we talk a little bit about limiting beliefs and mindset and how to build, how to get out of your own way. We talk about my four-step process of how to design your career, your next stage in your career based on who you uniquely are. And then we also talk about two specific ways to boost the day-to-day -day creativity of your job, because if you're going to spend you know, eight plus hours in, you know, doing it, you want to feel like you're growing and that you're, you know, you're getting to use some of your, your skills. And so if you want to access that, it's basically my, um, you know, my complete, it's, it walks through my complete system for aligning your career with your, um, with your sense of, you know, fulfillment. Um, you can go to buildyourselfworkshop.com backslash Joanne. And we will make sure that all the links will be below the podcast description. That is going to be fantastic for the audience, Maya. So before we wrap up, let's close off with this. What advice would you offer new and future leaders or business owners? My, yeah, my advice would be figure out one thing that makes you feel butterflies in your stomach and do that in small, repeatable bites with someone who's going to cheer you on. Oh, you give me goosebumps, Maya. This is so good. It is. It's finding that cheerleading team, isn't it? This is, and that, and I think that can be amazing when we nail it. And it also can be a bit tricky until, you know, until you find the skill of 
finding the cheerleaders out there because I do think that's a skill would you not agree oh yeah yeah I mean in my in my program um one of the places that I was finding that people were getting a little stuck and scared is that you know I really emphasize informational interviewing because I think it's a way to break you out of your echo chamber and um I think some people either you know, if they'd been doing what they were, they'd been doing for years, you know, knew the same people and starting to either reconnect with people they hadn't talked to in a while or with new people, turns out was a, was a, it came easy to me as an extrovert, um, but it was a skill and a capacity that some of my clients who've had the best outcomes needed to learn, you know, step by tiny step, right? You know, one conversation, then another. And so I think learning how to find and have an amazing wing woman is something or wing person is something that it can take, it can take practice. But I, number one, that's why coaching programs exist, right? So that you don't have to Absolutely. do it all alone. Yeah. <laughs> group coaching programs, right? And group programs. But number two, you know, I believe that you can develop almost any capacity that you want to develop. And, you know, you don't have to have it tomorrow. But if you take one step today and one step tomorrow, before you know it, you'll, you won't just have a amazing wing woman. You'll have an amazing wing crew, right? And we love a crew. We love a girl gang crew, whatever. I just love the concept that we can build out that. And it, it is doable, isn't it? I think having that crew that you know has got your back wherever you're at and you've got theirs, there's something, there's not, there's not much better than that in our careers often. I agree. Maya, thank you so much for giving us your time today. You've been an insanely amazing guest and I can't wait to speak to you again on the podcast. Yeah, Joanne, you are just a delight and a light. And I, you know, I was so looking forward to this and it's been amazing. You will find all details for Maya in the links below and go and enjoy them. <laughs>